Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church Podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. Well, I'm here to preach this morning and I'm actually really excited about it because I love how God can talk to us through his word. And, and you know, as Trent said, we're doing the um, Bible in a year this year and I love it because it helps bring discipline to my life because, come on, sometimes we all get a little bit distracted and so I read my Bible on my app because my app helps keep me accountable. And so it tells me what scriptures I need to read and I can look at different versions at the same time and I can do all sorts of things there. But, you know, as I've been reading my Bible, it's like God um, ignites again stories that I've read many times before, but shows me what it is that he's wanting to highlight to me this year, in this moment, to stir us on. And so this morning, I actually want us to take a look at Moses. You know, Moses is uh, said to have written the first five books in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, called the Pentateuch. And so um, while we're not 100% sure, you know, a lot of theologians would say there is a a flow to the first five books of the story that are cohesive and really talk a lot about Moses and the journey uh, that he went on. So it is assumed that he was the writer, or if not the writer, definitely somebody that uh, put a lot into those books. But you know, Moses was born in a time where Pharaoh thought there were too many Israelites on the earth uh, in Egypt. He kind of felt a bit threatened by the Israelites uh, that had been there since the time of of Joseph. Come on, we all know the story of Joseph. And so, you know, he he felt threatened. So he's like, okay, I've had enough of these Israelites. They're getting too big. What we need to do is he goes to the midwives at that time and he says, every time there's a male Israelite born, I want you to kill them. Now, the midwives didn't like that. And so they ignored that request. And so then Pharaoh goes, okay, well, if the midwife's not going to do it, what I'm going to do is encourage people, if there's a baby boy, Israelite born, that they need to drown them in the Nile. This is pretty brutal, really. Someone was so threatened that he wanted to take out a whole race of people. But what Pharaoh didn't realise is these were God's people. These were God's anointed people. And so in enters Moses. Moses is born um, in a time his mother hides him for three months. And then when he can't, you know, hide him anymore because babies, like, get noisy and restless. It's really hard to hide them when you know that there are people looking to see whether you have a child or not. And so she hatches a plan and she goes, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my baby and I'm going to build a basket and I'm going to make sure that it's waterproof and I'm just going to lay him in the reeds in the Nile River and just hope that God might send someone that might be able to keep him safe. You know, not a coincidence that Pharaoh's daughter actually ends up discovering him and she falls in love with him. She knows that he's a Hebrew boy, but there's something about this boy that she defies her father, Pharaoh, and actually keeps this boy alive. In fact, 
It's Moses' sister that comes and says, hey, this is a Hebrew baby. Can I get him a Hebrew mum to take care of him until he's at an age where I can bring him back to you? And she says, yeah, go ahead and do that. And so his mum, when she thought she'd lost her baby, gets to care for her baby once again over a couple of months until he's strong enough to be handed back to Pharaoh's daughter. Safe to say that Moses' life was a miracle just from that moment. But there's so much more from his life that we can draw out. I'm going to pick up this morning from Exodus 3, verses 1 to 10. One day Moses... uh, So this is... Sorry, sorry, let me go back a bit. Hang on, wait for the scriptures. So Moses grows up, right? He's he's in Pharaoh's land. He has all sorts of responsibility, but he knows his, his heritage. He knows his upbringing. He knows that he has this privileged position. But So one day he goes out to see his people and he sees the oppression that is upon his people. The Egyptians were holding the Israelites as slaves and not nice slaves, but slaves that they were trying to beat down. They put such a heavy burden upon them that they didn't want them to succeed. So Moses actually sees his, his people getting treated harshly. And he actually takes it upon himself one day to kill one of the Egyptian slave drivers. He thought nobody saw him. But who knows, you know, when we go about doing something that we shouldn't do, it's amazing how things can come to light. And so word spread around Egypt that Moses had done this. And so Moses runs. He runs as far as he can away from Egypt. And that's where we're picking up this morning. He's fled. He's met his wife. He's stayed with a great family. He's been tending sheep. He, you know, whole life had changed from the privilege of being in Egypt to the simplicity of just working, the working fields and tending sheep. And that's where we pick up in Exodus 3. So one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must Go and see. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites now live. All the ites were living there. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt." 
What an amazing encounter. Can you imagine just going about your daily business and then you look and you see this bush that's on fire and you're so taken by it, you're like, it's on fire, but it's not on fire, like I know things to be on fire. And and there's a curiosity. You know, if there's one thing I think we can learn from uh, Moses' life, it's where to stay curious. Because there was a curiosity for him to go and investigate more. Let's not be so um, overwhelmed by everything else that's happening around us that we miss the things that God's trying to show us through situations. And if we would just remain curious, that he'd be able to show us so much more than what we would see through the natural. So Moses stays curious and then he hears this voice. I don't know about you, I've never heard the audible voice of God. Anyone? No? I haven't, and I don't really, I've never met anybody that has, but Moses has this encounter in the middle of nowhere doing what he's just done day in and day out for years upon years upon years because God wanted to meet with him because he'd heard the cry of his people. He'd heard the cry. Yes, they'd been oppressed for a long time, but there was not one prayer that God hadn't heard from the Israelites. There was not one person under the oppression that God had not seen and known about. And so he had a plan, and his plan was Moses. I love how Moses responds to God in that passage. Here I am. Come on, is there not something that we can learn in that when God comes and and speaks to us and asks a question of us? Here I am, God. I'm not sure what you want to do, or I'm not sure what you want to say, but that we're leaning into the things of God, not shying away from them, but leaning in. You know, it can be really overwhelming to be personally asked by God to do something, but he is speaking to each one of us every single day. You know, some of us find ourselves in the same position, going about our daily lives, and we have this interruption that can come from God, that comes unexpected. Let's not be so, miss, so busy that we miss what it is that God wants to get our attention with. But I want to look at the five big buts that Moses gives God. Because, you know, God can come and speak to us, he can come and have an encounter, but there can often be this thing that rises within us of all the reasons why we can't do the things that God asks us to do. And Moses gave God five of them in the next part of the scripture. You know, if we look at Exodus 3 verses 11, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Who am I? It's a question of identity. It's a question of us going, God, who even am I? There are so many voices out there telling us who we should be that sometimes we get so confused that we forget actually who we are. God created us. God made us in his image. He's given us gifts and talents. He's put people around us to love us, people that are cheering for us. But a lot of us get stuck sometimes finding that we're listening to the outside voices rather than listening to the voice of God and who he says we are. 
Who does he say that we are? Well, Genesis 1.27 says we're made in his image. Galatians 3.26 and Romans 8.29 says we're his kid. We belong to him, 1 John 4.4 says. We are chosen, 1 Peter 2.9. We are a masterpiece, we read in Psalm 139 and Ephesians 2. He knew us before he formed us, Jeremiah 1.5 tells us. And that's just some of the things that the word of God says we are. And so when we get confused on who we are, we've got to go back to the Word of God and say who God says we are. The world wants to distort and take away value from who we are. But God created each and every one of us with a purpose. That purpose doesn't have to be to stay on stage. Ministry life, this is about 1% of what we get to do. And this is not ministry. Ministry is loving other people. It's having conversations with them. It's sharing our faith in whatever realm and sphere that God has placed you in. You don't have to be in the church to be a minister. We need, the, you know, when Jesus left, he said, go into all the world. Not stay seated in the pews of the church and stay there and don't move. No, learn from what you get while you're in a service and then go. Go into all the world. When we don't know who we are, we have to go back to the creator. Not any other voice, but the one who always has been and will be. It is in him that we truly find who we are and whose we are. He is always with us and will never leave us. The second but that, that, Jesus, uh, sorry, that, that Moses gives God is um, we read in uh, 13 to 15 of Exodus 3. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestor has sent me to you, they will ask, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestor, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations generations. If I, then what? If I go, then what, God? And so it brings us back to this place of insecurity. There's not one of us at some time that hasn't dealt with insecurity. But God says, I am who I am, and I am the one who is sending you. And when we've gone back and we've allowed the word of God to wash over us with who he says that we are, and we actually start believing that, then we can come up against insecurity to stop, that stops us from actually moving forward. Insecurity is a real thing. A psychological um, dictionary describes insecurity this way. A feeling of inadequacy, not being good enough, lack of self-confidence, and an inability to cope. Insecurity could cause us to second-guess ourselves. We doubt our contribution and we feel like we're not enough. But you are enough because God says you're enough. You're enough. The third thing, 
from chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. What if can be counteracted by what is? You know, Moses was like, what if I go and they don't and and they don't believe me and, and all that sort of stuff? And God's like, what's in your hand? What have I already given you? You know, we spend so much time as a a people looking at what we don't have, looking at other people's strengths where they may be weaknesses for us or we're not as gifted in a certain area instead of looking at actually what God has put within us. Each of us has got different strengths and weaknesses. Nothing is better than something else. So how about we change our perspective and look at what God has put in our hands, what he's gifted us with, what he's allowed us to carry, and be faithful with that. What's the opposite of doubt? Faith, certainty, conviction, confidence, trust. We need to counteract doubt with faith in God. Certainty that we are enough, conviction about what we are doing, and confidence that we can do what is asked of us. And trust that actually we can use what God has put in our hands. Falling short, we read in verses 10 to 12. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. I can relate with Moses. My words get tangled sometimes too. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, for I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you what to say. Moses couldn't see past his own shortcomings. God doesn't ask us to do something if he's not going to be there with us to help us do it. But you know what? I think God makes us stretch when, we, when he asks us to do something because we need to have a reliance on him because we can't and shouldn't do it in our own strength. And so here's Moses. I get tongue-tied. I don't have the right words and all that sort of stuff. And God's like, but I'm going to give you the words. But we get so locked up in our minds of the things that we can't do that we go, instead of stepping out sometime and go, well, God, if you've said it, if this is what you're asking me to do, then you've got to come through because I can't do this by myself. It's a good place to be to rely on him. And the final one he says in verse 13 to 15, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anybody else. Send anybody else. Come on, have you been in that position? I have, oh God, you can't send me, no, 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 no. But God said he wanted to send him. Don't miss out on the things of God because you're saying, not me, when God's saying, yes, you. Oh, but not me, God, and here's my list of things of why not, and he goes, no, yes, you. Not me, God, because, you know, I did this and I still got this to work through and I've got this mess in my life and, Lord, there's still a level of insecurity that I carry and I can't, I can't, I can't. And he goes, you can, you can, you can. Just rely on me. It's a journey and it's a process. 
You know, if there's stuff in your life, and Trent touched on this last week, that you are stuck and you can't move forward, then go to the Word and see how you can get redefinition from the Word. Pray, get yourself in a connect group so you can be surrounded by people that can champion you on. But if you still need help, go and seek professional help. There's no shame in having to get counselling or go and see a psychologist. I've done it. You can. There is no shame. Life throws stuff at us that sticks and hurts and wounds. And sometimes we need a little bit of help getting out of that place that we find ourselves in. So if you need professional help, go and get it. I'm going to ask the band to come. I'm going to finish with the story this morning. You know, we bought our house five and a half years ago. And when we went to look, or I went to look through our house, the structure, the foundation, the, the bones of the house were great. But some of, some of the things in the house were not so great. And so we decided to take about and do a pretty major renovation on the house. We did all new flooring, all new electrical. We painted every surface that you could get to um, and we put in a new kitchen. And part of that process, we actually pulled off, a, off all the skirting boards because we're putting new floors down and putting new ones there. When we pulled off the skirting boards, we actually discovered that the original builder of the house had put his name and the date that he put that skirting board on the house. It said, built by LG Hazard and Son, Ferntree Gully, the 9th of the 6th, 1956. It told some of the history of the house. We were having afternoon tea last weekend with our neighbours that invited us around and uh, they've lived in the house next door to us for over 30 years and they were talking about all the different people that they've known over the years that had owned the house and, and all the things that um, those people had done. You know, one person, um, you know, had put on an extension, another person did this in the garden. The gates that are on their property now were originally from our property way back in the day and the rose bushes that are in my front garden, my very favourite rose bushes were originally theirs. And so, you know, really interesting to hear some of the stories that can come sometimes. And so there's a history to the house. There's a history that took place, but over the years there were elements of it that had got a bit tired when we walked through it, every room was a different colour, if not multiple colours of different colour in the same room. And, and so I walked through and I saw that that house was good. It had good integrity. It was going to be a great place to make a home for us. You know, when we put in our offer, we were hopeful that we would be able to do it. But it needed some work. It needed some renovation to, to take us into the future. You know, I just think... As we start 2022, and I know we're halfway through Feb, but there's some of us that have felt a little weary, a little mismatched, a little foundations there, and there's, you know, there's good bones to us, but there's a bit of stuff that's been thrown at us that's kind of got stuck that probably shouldn't have got there. It's maybe some journeys that we've been on, feelings of isolation, feelings of disconnect from people, because of the reality of what we've all been journeying these last two years. And so I think, like we did our house, we went about and put in plans 
to be able to renovate it into what it is today. And if you've got a house, you know you're never done doing stuff. If you were here last week, you would have heard Trent talk that he's still doing stuff on our shed. But I think there's something in that that we need to adopt as a people, that we don't stay stuck in a place, but we're always looking to listen to the voice of God and enable him to speak to us on areas that we might need to polish up a bit. Maybe we need a repaint. It's been out in the harsh sun for a bit too much and it's become cracked and dry. And maybe we just need the spirit of God to wash over us and breathe life into us once again. Moses didn't have it all together. And he still made lots of mistakes after having this encounter. You know, while God said for him to go and speak to Pharaoh, he was so wrapped up in what he couldn't do that God had said, okay, well, your brother can be the mouthpiece and I'll instruct you and you and instruct him and, you know, we'll still get the result that we need to. But I just wonder how different the story might have been if Moses got out of his head and allowed God to use him in the full capacity that God wanted to use him. And God did amazing things through him. You know, we read in Hebrews, in the faith chapter, there's uh, multiple verses about Moses, about his faithfulness and his ability to endure. But he didn't have it all together. And for that, it actually gives me comfort that even in my mess, that God can use me still even when I don't have it all together, as I take a step with God that He can come through and help and enable me to be all that it is that He's called me to be. But for you, that you just take a step at a time. You don't have to run a marathon because you see that this is where God wants you. You take one step, one decision. One decision maybe to get some counselling. One decision to make a a, 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 a um lost my words you know to get into the word of God this year because you haven't had consistency in the word of God this year one step to actually God I'm going to pray right now because I know I usually do this by myself but actually I need your wisdom and guidance as I enter my workplace this week God I need your wisdom as I go to school this week and encounter whatever it is that you might encounter that we keep our eyes focused on him. Not all of us have the luxury of having an encounter with a burning bush where God speaks audibly. But we can hear his voice through his words. We can be in atmospheres like we are this morning of worship where the Spirit of God can come and encourage us. But then it's what we do next that determines where we get to go. Because God can have this incredible plan, but he doesn't force it upon us. He invites us. He's such a gentleman that he comes and he says, hey, I want to do this. Will you say yes? And if we say no, he goes, okay. And then he might come again just with gentleness and say, hey, I want to do this. What will your response be in 2022? You can still be shaking. You can still be the fear of the unknown you can still be trembling and not knowing what it's all going to look like but would you allow faith to rise greater than outside voices in your lives this year would you allow God to do something in you that he's been wanting to do for years and years and years but he's just waiting for you to submit
What are you going to let God do in your life? Because God's promise is that he will always be with us so we never do it by ourselves. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are such a faithful God. That God, when you call us into something, God, you don't call us and then abandon us. No, God, you tell us that you will continue to be with us. So God, we want to be a people that are able to receive and respond to your voice as you call us. God, we want to be a people that are everything that you want us to be. And Lord, each one of us still has a lot of work to do. Each one of us has things that we need to get over and move through. But God, let us not be a people that are so bound in fear that we won't even take a step forward, not even a a gentle nudge forward. God, let us be a people that take courage from the stories that we read from your word, that God, if you've done it for them, if you went with them, if you said you'd be with them, that you'll be with us too. So God, I pray that 2022 would be a year where we mobilise our faith, God, that you enable us to encounter you afresh. God, that we would run in your presence and with your enabling in a greater way than we ever have before. God, that we would be a people that would see uh, there be changes in circumstances that have just felt like we've prayed for years and years and years and nothing shifted. God, that 2022 would be a year where we would see the things that we have dreamt of, but haven't actually seen in realisation yet. God, help us to learn. Help us to hear your voice. God, let there be such an attune ear to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.